Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app at Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Hey, good morning. I'm Karen Moscow, along with Tom Keene and Michael McKee. The opening bell brought to you by SEI. Imagine when investment operations predictably respond to regulatory change. See how SEI's global operating platform can be your catalyst for business transformation at SEIC.com slash imagine. Stocks lower at the open. The S&P 500 down half percent or nine points to 1990. Dow Jones Industrial Average down a quarter percent or 40 points to 16,968. The Nasdaq's down Tenths percent or 26 points to 46.90. Ten-year Treasury down 7.30 seconds. The yield 1.90 percent. The yield on the two-year 0.88 percent. NYMEX crude oil up 1.3 percent or 47 cents to 36.39 a barrel. COMEX gold is down two tenths percent or two dollars ninety cents to 12.67.80 an ounce. The euro a dollar 0.952. The yen 113.53. Tom and Mike. Uh, thanks so much, Karen. Greatly appreciate it. This is a huge deal. I have seen careers destroyed over this where managers want to hold more cash and buy prospectus at a mutual fund or by the dictate of their management, they can't. And the managers get very, very upset. It's a little better than it used to be. They don't three, four, two, five, seven percent, whatever the number. But Lisa Bramowitz with an incredibly important observation this off an FT article today. This is a huge deal in your bond space where people are under the table, they're getting shell-shocked, and they want to hold cash. Can they? They are, and they have to. I mean, I think that when I talk to high-yield bond fund managers in particular – they're aware of this bifurcation in credit markets right now where you have some fundamental issues with some companies, but there is value there. And then you have sort of the volatility of investor sentiment coming in, coming out, and having these, uh, you know, having to respond to daily redemptions or daily inflows. And they don't want to have to sell what they don't want to sell. And what you nail in your article of a couple days ago, incredible turmoil unseen in recent histories, is it's a responsible institutional long-only buy side versus the players in the market, in and out and speculation and all that. Who's winning the battle? I would say the longer-term investors because to time this market right now so well is impossible. It looks like a casino at days. I'm looking today at Glencore, for example, which has been rising dramatically from $0.60 cents some, uh, on the dollar at the end of January uh, to over $0.90 cents on the dollar. Glencore, a commodities company out of London that people were really worried might not even make their bond payments. This is an investment-grade rated company. Uh, its debt has rallied almost since the end of January. And, you know, on what? (laughs) Again, on what? You know, I mean, what has changed so dramatically? Today we see this massive uh, rally in iron ore and people attribute it to China's commitment to sustain growth. But, I mean, is this really any different from what people were expecting earlier? Well, Well, that that raises the question. What people were expecting earlier. Was it accurate or had markets gone too far? Was Glencore really a 60 cent credit or is it you know, more realistic where it is now? Well, and I, and I think this sort of brings me back to a conversation that I had uh, with Gershon Distenfeld at, at Alliance Bernstein. He made a, a very astute 
observation, I thought, which was, you know, leading up to the commodities crash, people, bond investors didn't have a view necessarily on commodities. They weren't saying, we believe in the commodity super cycle. They were just buying whatever was being sold, but they ended up having an overweight in the commodity cycle. And suddenly, you have all these investors who do not have expertise in uh, pricing the commodities markets having to basically take a view and decide whether or not to sell their, you know, energy and metals holdings into a downward spiral or, or, you know, whether to hang on through the ride. So this is sort of part of what's, what's behind some of the volatility uh, in these markets. But I would say back to your point, Tom, about sort of the, the longs and the shorts battling each other. A lot of this does come back to the debate about bond market liquidity, that there hasn't really been a referee able to step in and sort of create some sense of stability between the people who are trying to squeeze each other out of their positions. And I think that, you know, the longer term investor who tries to step back and say, look, we're not interested in that. We are interested yeah. in whether we get our money back at the end of the day Mike, or not. I, Mike, I brought up the Glencore piece out uh, nine years, and basically it's 100 to 59, make it 100 to 60, up to 78. It's three standard deviations, Mike. That's a big move. You, you know, that's a bond. I mean, granted, it's Glencore. I get, I get that it's... Yeah. A speculation, but those are huge moves. Well, and, and to your point, it's a bond. A bond is a contractual agreement. It is math. This is basically whether you believe you are going to get paid back or not. Glencore, as far as I understand, is still rated investment grade, right? I mean, yes, they're, they're about to get, uh, downgraded probably or may or whatever, but I mean, it, if, if it's just about whether people expect to get paid back, should these bonds really trade as though they're equities? I don't know. I mean, this is this sort of comes back to the sort of broader identity crisis right now among some of the traders who I speak with within the credit markets, which is, you know, how how did we get here? Why is the market so volatile right now? Well, again, I go back to the players involved. Now, our listeners get except for those on Global Wall Street get can get clobbered by this. They can get going both ways. It's institutional players, global emerging markets, et cetera. It's I'm, for the I hate to use a phrase, but I, I am alternative investment investors trying to be opportunistic. What's wrong with that? And the answer is there's no depth in the market. I would argue I've talked to a couple of investment managers who said to me, you know, you think of the hedge funds as being the smart money and the retail investors as being the dumb money. Yeah, well, but it's been the other way around, because realistically, the retail investors are actually less fickle in some cases, than the hedge fund investors, or they have been recently. Uh, and you've seen some pretty negative hedge fund performances, and you've seen a lot of outflows, and you saw a, a pretty big concentrations in some of the uh, the bonds that have gotten hammered the most. So, you know, when it comes down to who's winning, uh, I, I would say that, you know, the sort of longer-term non-trader types are probably uh, doing better this round. Uh, but, you know, going forward, it, someone's someone's making a killing. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. somebody's doing really well, uh, but... Uh, you know. Mike, I just put out on, on uh, Bloomberg Radio Plus the logarithmic chart of the Glencore 4 of April 1625. Where else but Bloomberg Surveillance can you get a logarithmic chart of a bond price that quickly? 
nowhere else. It's an act. I mean, Michael Barr almost burst into tears when he saw it. <laughs> yeah, it's so beautiful. <laughs> but you know, I would I would make one other point. You know, I've been watching the correlation between oil and credit markets, particularly junk bonds. It is at the highest level or about the highest level since 2009. Mm-hmm. And you know, this also raises another question: Should it really be that way? I mean, at this point, it's about you know, energy related uh, debt is about 12 percent of the index. Should it really be trading? Uh, in tandem with a $1.4 okay. trillion dollar market. Can we talk about something important? Yes. Did you have to go see Zootopia this weekend? Yes, I did. You t- <laughs> why, why did I know totally that? Totally busted. Why did That's I know awesome. that? Yes, I, I, I And now, it. folks, it's time for a surveillance movie <laughs> review. Lisa Abramowitz. John Tucker usually does this. He's very, very good at getting the out-front Oscar consideration for movies where you have to buy a lot of popcorn and soda. Go, Zootopia. I, I thought it was fabulous. My, my son enjoyed it, and I found that it's uh, it's very complicated and nuanced message on how to include people and, you know, how pe- the society's perception of people dictates their their future, their, their perception Are you of themselves. Kidding? This is what your son said. No, this is what I said. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I enjoyed it for the larger, okay. broader point. Lisa Bramowitz, <laughs> come back after you don't spend $70 at the movie theater on <laughs> popcorn and soda <laughs> and- I had a slush. Oh, come on. Slush. Zootopia doing better than good uh, for the good people at Walt Disney this weekend. The down, negative 42. The VIX, 1777. Time now to check in with Michael Barr. Get the latest world and national headlines. Michael? Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Turkey is insisting on new concessions as the price for housing more asylum seekers. The last-minute demands come just before a European Union-Turkey summit in Brussels on the refugee crisis. Preparations are underway for the public to pay their respects to former First Lady Nancy Reagan. Her body is now at a funeral home in Santa Monica, California. After several days, her body will be brought to the Reagan Presidential Library, where Mrs. Reagan will lie in repose. Responses continue to come in remembering Nancy Reagan, Republican presidential candidate Marco Rubio. She uh, told us a lot of stories about President Reagan. One of them really put me on the spot because she said, you know, Ronnie sent flowers to my mother every year on her birthday, on Nancy's birthday, to thank her for having me. And as you can imagine, my wife, Jeanette, turned to me and looked at me like, (laughs) you're no Ronald Reagan, you know. Nancy Reagan died yesterday at age 94. Remember the Baltimore CVS pharmacy that was destroyed during the riots last April? It has reopened. The April riots were over the death of Freddie Gray, who suffered a spinal injury while in police custody. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Michael Barr, thanks so much. Uh, Coming up, we're going to do a little bit of politics here. I believe there's a... Primary tomorrow. Must listen. Greg Villiers on the travails of the Grand Old Party. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by the Town of Hempstead Industrial Development Agency. Find out how to put the Town of Hempstead IDA to work for your business. Call 1-800-593-3870 or visit toh.ida.org. 